Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development, where Andrew and I talk to experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. All right, welcome to episode 112 of the Office Developer Office 365 Developer Podcast. I guess I should get our name right. What do you think, Coatsy? <laughs> Mate, by, by 112, we probably should have sort of fixed on something. You know, it might be time to reinvent ourselves. It is the new year after all. Well, I, I think the fact that we've been off this for a couple of weeks and on vacation is that I, I blame my uh, little mouth throw up on that. So yeah, anyway. I've got, my, I got my, my Christmas food coma on, so that's all, all good. Did you have a good holiday? Had an awesome time, man. We went down with a family down to Melbourne, which is uh, like uh, a, a nine-hour drive south of Sydney. Uh, and uh, my... You know, to my brother and my sister and, and, and all their family. So we had about 15 of us and then ended up with 28 relatives at, at, at a Christmas dinner, with, including my 98-year-old grandmother. It was at her place. We had, a, we had a fantastic time. So 10 days off, feeling rejuvenated and re, re, uh, reinvigorated. Nice. Well, I was sick for like two weeks. And sick with a baby in the house means I was sequestered oh. and didn't really get to be around anyone. But uh, I'm better now uh, and back to work. So... Not only, not only, not only. Sick. I've, I've had this with with a baby in the house. It used to be that when you were sick, you know, your your, your wife or your partner looks after you because you know you're the important person in their life, and then vice versa when they were sick. And now it's the baby, and you could just go and be sick in the room over there, so you're out of the way, you know, and and not inconvenience anybody. And when you're better, you can come out, but not until then. <laughs> You actually have no clue because I have a very OCD wife, and so um, I pretty much had to walk around with a bottle of like alcohol and and wipe so I could wipe down everything around me. But yeah, you're yeah, lucky, no. you were lucky to be let out of the room at all by the sound of it. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but I, I did get to play a little bit. Um, I uh, I took an actually a, a mobile application that I built last year, and I I challenged myself to try to fit it into Microsoft Teams. So it's pretty neat. I'm going nice. to write some blog posts about it here in the next few weeks but uh you know combining things like bots and custom tabs and connectors i i I felt like they all had a really good play uh in in delivering a solution so i'll I'll do some things on that in the next few weeks we won't bore you with it uh this week but it was a little bit of a quiet you know i think regardless of what part of the world you're at at the very least you had a holiday from me and coatsy's voice but um Probably you had some sort of holiday that that gave you some time off work, hopefully. And so it was pretty quiet in the blogosphere. There was only four, and I'll knock through these really quickly, and then we'll get to our fantastic guests that we have this week. So um, Waldeck, who's always putting out a lot of great information, uh, he had two posts that I think are really interesting. One was getting Azure AD app-only access tokens using certificates on .NET Core. This was pretty interesting. I've written a few posts on doing app-only tokens uh, just using regular.net and even things like node but .NET core is a little bit challenging because you don't have like every library that's available to you so he actually ran into some challenges along the way reached out to me we reached out to uh, Vittorio and and the crew on the the ADAL and and MSAL teams and and Waldeck ultimately got it working so check out the post it's a good one um, the other one that he has here is on building cascading dropdowns in a SharePoint framework web part properties uh, pane. So, you know, when you build a, a SharePoint framework solution, if you're building a web part, you have obviously the web part user interface, but you also have 
pretty f full flexibility in what you put in the web part properties area. And that's always been a, a big desire for people is having kind of cascading properties, uh, you know, based upon one drop down, you might have another set of options as a subset. So uh, both those posts from Waldeck are great and we'll have them in the show notes. Look, I love these. Um, both both of them really, really appeal to me. The, the first one, because um, it's so important to be able to have that, that app only uh, access and, and more and more people are using just .NET Core as part of as part of their their base install. Uh, it's it just that 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 lovely uh, robust piece of, of infrastructure that you can just deploy anywhere. And lots and, and the interesting thing for me is we're, that's, we're starting to see that in a bunch of different places. Uh, third parties are taking it on as their as their uh, their runtime for devices and those sorts of things. So you know now that you can put .NET Core anywhere, you really should be thinking about whether your application is going to run just on .NET Core. That that's very very neat. And yep. the other one that, that the the cascading drop downs is as you say a classic and, and being able to put that in the property window, very, very cool indeed. Yep. Uh, two other ones here just really quick. Uh Chax, who is um, on the actual SharePoint framework team, he wrote a really detailed post on basically the build tool chain that's involved with building client side development for the SharePoint framework. So all the different components and what they do. Uh, so definitely check that one out. I mean, Chax is really one of the definitive sources for information on the SharePoint framework because he's actually building it. So uh, definitely check that out from Chax. And then the last one is Elio Struif, who uh, we've had lots of posts uh, highlighted on the show. He did a post on retrieving external and guest users being via the Microsoft Graph. So if you've, if you've ever gone and played around in the graph and you do like um, look at just like the users uh, endpoint, so just uh, v1.0 slash users, it'll bring back users for your org. And, and in there's also things like external users. So he goes into some detail here on how you can, you know, query specifically for external users and guests. So that is it for the updates this week. Uh, we have a fantastic guest that's on the line. And this is going to get a little bit confusing because both my co-host and our guest have the same initials, AC. So we have, this week we have Andrew Connell on the show. Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks Richard and Andrew. I really appreciate it. It is weird saying thank you, Andrew, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> I could temporarily change my name to Andrew and we could confuse everyone. <laughs> No, I really appreciate you guys having me on the show. I'm looking forward to this. So, you know, AC, I'm, I'm going to call you AC. I, I just, I'm used to that. But um, AC, I think you're no stranger to anyone that listens to this this podcast. But give us a little bit of your history. You have a really, really long and deep history around not just Office 365 development, but, but development going way, way back to, you know, the beginnings of SharePoint and other things. So why don't you give us a little bit of your history? Sure. I, uh, I guess I've, I've always been a web developer since the day that I came out of uh, you know, professional uh, or not professional out of like um, out of college or university, even there I was playing with it. But uh, I've been, I really dove into the SharePoint space sometime around uh, September 2003 when SharePoint Portal Server came out. And really SharePoint has been my life uh, since then, um, starting going through SharePoint Server 2003, uh, Office SharePoint Server 2007, then 2010, 2013, online, and uh, now Office 365. So um, lived through all the different ways that we've been able to extend and develop SharePoint and focus primarily just on the development side. Did a lot of server-side stuff, but I mean, my heart has always been living closer and closer to the client, living in the, the, uh, 
uh, more in the, the client side dev space. So you know what's interesting is I was I was doing some reminiscing earlier today and I was thinking like what what actually got me started in doing SharePoint development because I w- I'm I have a similar background to you I was just a web developer you know when I graduated it was the dot com boom and that was kind of the place to be was doing like e-commerce and building for the web and you know SharePoint came out or I guess site server and and it was kind of like automatic websites in a way and and I I kind of steered away from it all the way through 2003 and then when 2007 came out uh, it was something that kind of you know with the feature framework started to look interesting for developers but i looked at it and i was like hey there's really no way there's no great way no tooling to like package things and i actually went to a conference out in san jose and saw you speak and you showed kind of this open source it was something called sts dev that ended up kind of not it was popular for a while but then some of the tooling caught up but you were really pivotal in creating some of the early tooling to package things for the feature framework. Um, and, and really, it's where it, it kind of changed my mind of, hey, I should actually look at this as a, as a development platform again. And it's funny, I was looking back and I went and found the old CodePlex repository for STS Dev. And sure enough, there you were. You were one of the, the founders of that. So I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, it was quite the throwback. I saw you, you, know, you shared that link with me earlier. And it was, uh, I, hadn't, I hadn't heard STS Dev in years. But I remember that show vividly. It was a, that was a lot of fun back in the real early days of doing real SharePoint development. That, you know what was cool about that conference? It was it was actually a relatively small conference. It wasn't a SharePoint conference. It was actually called the like an office developer conference. I don't remember how many people. It was maybe only like 900 people, but Bill Gates did the keynote. And mm-hmm. so it was really cool to see him in a smaller uh, atmosphere um, there at that at that conference. So pretty cool. Yeah, I was I was pretty bummed when I saw that they, they, they shut that one down and switched over to just doing like a SharePoint conference um, after that. Because I think that it was... ODC, and then almost like either the week before or the week after was the share the, like one of the first SharePoint conferences out in uh, Redmond. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Long time cool. ago. <laughs> well, before we get into what we're going to chat with you about specifically, I thought it would be interesting to to include you in this one little part. Is is since it is the new year, I'm curious if you guys have any maybe developer or work related New Year's resolutions. This is kind of the time of the year for all that, so. I don't know, Coatsy, do you have anything that's on your like New Year's resolution list? Coding-wise for me, man, I guess there are three things. The first one is I, I, I want to do lots more uh, hardware-related stuff, lots more IoT stuff, interfaces uh, with, with physical objects. I'm having heaps of fun with that, both learning for myself, but I'm actually using it as a great tool for teaching um, kids to code, both at uh, elementary school and at secondary school level. Heaps and heaps of fun. The fact that they get their hands on things and make things flash or buzz or move is, is very, very neat. So I'm, I'm, I'm planning to do a bunch more of that this year. Um, the second one is uh, I, I, uh, I, my, my new resolution this year is to learn one of the JavaScript frameworks, maybe two of them, the React and, and, and Angular 2, as, as, uh, as well as possible. I'm, I'm finding that's holding me back from doing some, some neat front-end things. I've always been a .NET and XAML guy uh, and back-end coding guy, and, and I've always kind of just struggled through a bit with the, the JavaScript pieces. Uh, I had a, uh, um, a, a gig uh, a few weeks ago where I, that sort of came home to me, so I'm going to do a bunch more work on JavaScript stuff. And finally, I think this, the whole conversations as a framework thing is something I... I uh, conversations as a platform is something I really want to play with. So they're, they're, my, they're my three big ones for this year. Cool. AC, what about you? Uh, I've got... 
two things. Like, you know, the couple, the standard, like, you know, professional development stuff that, you know, you want to, as an independent developer, I'm trying, you know, hit certain revenue numbers and stuff, but that's not important. That's not interesting to probably what you're looking for. The, the two big ones that I want to do is I want to learn two new languages. Um, one of them, it shouldn't be too much of a jump. It's, I want to switch over and I want to learn uh, the .NET Core. I haven't spent any time at all with it, or I spent a little bit of time with it. Uh, but I mean, a few years ago, I switched over to from using a Windows machine primarily over to a Mac, and uh, at that time, I really just changed my entire tool stack. I like .NET. I, I want to get more of .NET Core so I can still take advantage of the things that Microsoft is doing there. Um, the other big one, though, is one that has really been intriguing to me, and it's primarily because the language is kind of founded around a lot of the challenges that we had uh, around the networking type space or the being more online and loosely coupled, and that's um, Golang. I really want to spend a little bit more time there. The little bit that I've played with it, I absolutely love it, but it's very much like a um, very much like a C++ or a C++-type library, so it takes a little bit of getting used to. Very cool. Very cool. So I, for me, I, I think a few of the, I guess, resolutions for me in 2017 around development, uh, one is I, I really want to get more in tune with what we're doing around ML and maybe even like get into some of the interesting languaging sides of that, like R. Um, that's kind of been a, an area where I've done a lot with our cognitive services but I've 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 not done quite as much just on like the pure building your own um, you know models and things like that. So uh, I think that's kind of on the the top of of my list of things. So that kind of transitions I think really nicely into the topic for this show. Every resolution that was that we just listed out was really around learning something. It was around like like training on something new, becoming familiar with something new. And I thought this was a, a, a great show and a great topic to have with you, AC, given you know, your history and, and what you're doing moving forward around training. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, love to, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a great thing to focus on. I mean, we've done, like you said, we're all doing, trying to learn something new. Um, I, me personally, I, just, I found that my passion has always been to, to learn stuff. As a, you know, as a kid, I was the Lego kid that always wanted to build things, take things apart, figure out how they worked. And then I, as a professional, I found that I really got my energy from helping other people learn and seeing that light bulb go off for someone and knowing that you could help them. Kind of like, you know, you talked about with the Office Developer Conference, knowing that I was able to, you know, help somebody see an opportunity. And I mean, it, you know, look at where we are today. So it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, I was looking before the show, I was, th- there, there's a statistic that I heard uh, it was like a study, and, and I can't I can't find definitively where it came from, and maybe this is all made up. But I've I, I've heard this saying that like you re- you remember and retain like ten percent of what you uh, what you read, twenty percent of what you hear, thirty percent of what you read and hear, uh, and, and like it goes all the way up up to the point where you get to like. 80% of what you do and like 90% of what you teach. And I always thought that was really interesting because people learn in, in different ways. There's certainly like lots of different ways that you can you can train. I'm one of those people that I personally like to just do, but you can't just like open up an IDE and just start doing stuff. So probably the best way that I've found is is doing things like maybe watching someone do it on a video and like pausing, being able to pause and, and then go and, and kind of try to implement it on your own. I mean, that's kind of my, 
my way of doing things, but I know that you have a, a very rich history in, in developing all kinds of different trainings. In fact, um, you know, I think one of the interesting things, AC, is that a lot of the training that Microsoft delivers and, and offers to the community, um, a lot of times we get people like you to develop that. So you've had a lot of hand in doing things like Ignites and, um, you know, when we do new launches, developing the content for that. Is, is, isn't that right? Yeah, I've done. A lot, I've been involved in a lot of this. I've done, uh, like you said, I've, I've done, done a bunch of sessions, like hands-on labs at Ignite. Uh, had the op to to present at Bill, but I think the the part that I really enjoy is that when I can spend a lot of time um, working on a course or a body of work that's more than just an hour long breakout session, and build something to help educate people. So you know, it's been I've done it with Office three sixty five, uh, Microsoft's partner program with a CSP program. Um, it's that's the part that I like doing is to really you know videos and, and slides and then going through and putting a hands-on lab together or sample and walking people through it. That's the part, that's the stuff that I really like and, and really like where the, like the, what the tech allows us to do today and uh, being so collaborative with it, like with GitHub and such. Hey, so are you finding that people are, are changing the way they, they want to learn? I am. I, I really see that. I mean, I, you know, from, you know, I have a history of teaching going all the way back to, oh gosh, 2007, 2008 or so. Um, both from as a contract trainer, then as a running a training company, hands-on classes, classroom um, breakout sessions at conferences, and what you what I've seen is that you see a much stronger push or a much more concentrated push more towards the um, a la carte or people that want to be able to get things on their terms without having to travel. So really, the video model or the self-paced model is what people are really really enjoying these days. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, you're seeing that with uh, with stuff like the stuff that you're doing, but also things like the Xamarin University, where, which uh, uh, people are uh, able to do some of it self-paced and some of it online uh, in a, in a an online classroom. Uh, that's uh, I think that's a really interesting interesting way of doing things. So I know that you. Um, we'll talk a little bit about kind of your latest venture here soon, but I know that you um, have also still been really engaged in Microsoft in you know doing a lot of our internal trainings. Uh, you know we have a big we have a big repo in the Office Dev um, GitHub that is like we call it just the training content repo, and it's got all these different modules. And so I know that you've had your hand in, in developing some of that. Have you seen? Have you seen Microsoft adapt the way that you see like the consumers of training wanting things differently? Do you feel like we've adapted? I do. I do a lot. I mean, I've seen, I, I really like the way that like how the Office 365 group changed a couple, I don't know, a year or so, two years ago, whatever it was, when uh, Chris Johnson and Jeremy Thake and, and Sonia's team, when they all really started to push more of the, of the, the training and the education piece less from the structured content and more from, you know, building a library or building a, a body of work of different modules and topics and not really having a, a set timeline around them. I think that when you see, I, I was really happy to see you guys do that because that's the thing, that's the trend that you see people going in, going towards. It's, you know, the, going with those rules of someone says, you know, a, a, a topic has to be 45 minutes, kind of like the way we go to conferences today, right? It's, a topic's got to be 45 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes, and you've got to have you know 20 to 40 slides. You've got to have three demos. It's like that doesn't always fit, and so you want to get it's it's 
let's build something that people can use to learn, but let's only give them what they need to, to do to get the job done and not try and check the boxes or fill in all the holes that, of what the model says that you're supposed to do. Right. The other thing I love about that is it's not just give stuff people they need to learn, but also make stuff available people they need, for people they need to teach. So it's a great resource if you want to you know, quickly show someone else something. And I'm seeing more and more, especially internal uh, enterprise user groups, take that content and repurpose it for their own, for their own use. So making that, that resource available is really cool as well. Yeah, agreed. Totally agree. So on the, the front of training is I know that you have a, a, a big new venture that you're starting, and, and I want to definitely get into the details around what you're doing. But in, in preparation for that, I know that you put out a pretty big survey to try to get some feedback on, on how people like to train and, and kind of what works for them. What, what were some of the interesting things that you found out of that? Yeah, this was um, what I what I done is I I went to the people who had signed up for my mailing list uh, when I said that it, you know, I was going to do this this new venture, and I asked them, you know, before I started building the content, I'm like, well, I've got my ideas, but I wonder what other people how they like to learn and what what not just me and what the you know small group of people that I talk to, um, what does the cross section look like? And so I asked them a couple questions. I asked them things like, you know, how do you watch technical courses? Um, the classic, you know, do you like a light background, dark background? Um, the way it kind of broke down, was, I was a little surprised by this. So how do people watch them? Um, over 90% of the people, like 98% of the people that responded, this is a couple hundred people, um, said that they sit down at their laptop or their desktop and watch courses, which was totally different from me because I sit down and use my iPad and watch a course and I kind of watch it start to finish and then go try and apply the stuff. Um, going along that same theme, though, the every, most of the people said of the 70% that sat down and watched at their laptop, they said that they like to start and stop the class numerous times because they like to follow along and mirror what's being presented um, on their own projects. Uh, only 30% of the people said that they would sit back and watch it the way that I watch courses. Um, actually, this one would be curious. Uh, is that, I'm going I'm to survey you two for this too. So do you guys prefer a light or a dark background when you're doing like coding, when you're watching a coding style class or presentation? Why do we have to make this a racial issue, man? I, it's got to be, man. Everything's got to be that way. We'll get political a little bit later too, right? Uh, that's great. I'm looking forward to that. We could do religion as well and cover the entire lot. Maybe sports. Mm -hmm. Um, sports there we go yeah there orientation we go. let's go everywhere yeah, I'm, I'm very much i'm very much a light background guy light, light background, background. you know f for me i think it, it varies on like when i'm watching it like if if it's in the middle of the day i think a white background but if it's like at night like i'm on a a late flight or something like that which is a lot of times where i'll try to catch up on on videos is when i'm on a flight i would prefer a black. so i almost want like it to be able to like toggle but um <laughs> I would say in general, white is probably what I'd go with as well. It's funny because you almost want like, what's that app, Flux, that like yeah. that watches how you're learning? <laughs> That's right. Uh, so 50% of people said they like the dark background. Only 16% said they like the light background. 30% uh, said don't care. Um, this is the one that I was the most interested in because in, t in all the courses that I've done in the past, one thing that I've always hated uh, is that they don't let, they like you to do you know, we call them modules or sections or chapters, whatever you want to call them. And then each one of those has different topics or lessons or something embedded within it. Um, I've, I, I, I've always liked to build stuff with like, say, build a course with lots and lots of chapters in it that are much smaller and more 
very specific or very focused. Um, over 70% of people agreed with me on that one. 30% of people said, no, they like fewer broad topic modules containing lots and lots of videos or lessons. Um, yeah, then, I, I, I would say I agree with the, the more time. I mean, to me, it's the same thing with reading a book. When I open a book and I, I, if I'm about to like watch another or read another chapter of a book, sometimes I'll go and look ahead and I'm like, oh, this is like 40 pages versus if it's like seven, I might w- go ahead and like read that next chapter. So like smaller is easier to take in and consume. And it's also easier to jump around, right, is is – you know, I, I, I know it's in this hour and 20 minute module, but I have to, you know, find exactly where it was. So I, I, I think I agree with the majority there. Yeah, that was the that was the way I thought about it, too, because it's like, you know, let's say you're going to build web parts. I want to know how to go build a web part and then I want to go learn how to build a property pane and work with that. Those to me, those should be two different modules. And if I want to go do some advanced stuff in the property pane, like do a wizard or do custom controls or something like that then I'd like to go to the advanced property pane module. But that way it's, you know, kind of like the same way that I like to use Google. And that's get me right to what I'm looking for really quick. And then from there, I can go down the rabbit hole and find anything else I want. But I don't want to be dropped off into this big bucket of a ton of stuff and have to figure out what I need to learn. I'm going to put a slightly contrary point of view to that because I think there are some topics where you do want some fundamental understanding of the broad things that are going on. So... Uh, I think about this actually when I think about my, my own education. Um, my, both my degrees are actually in civil engineering. I don't have a computer science background. And sometimes I feel the lack of some of the fundamental stuff that people do in computer science because I'd never, never studied that. Now, I can tell you about how to build a bridge or uh, analyze the, uh, you know, whether the ground under your feet is going to hold up a, a three-story building. That, that stuff I can do. But uh, you know, fundamentals around things like operating systems and algorithms are something I've had to kind of pick up on the fly. And, and I've done that by going and picking up specific things I need to pick up. But I feel a lack of a, a, a broad basis for that. And I think there are some times when I want a topic that's going to cover the, the fundamentals of things in an hour and a half or two hours and give me a bro- uh, things that I perhaps wouldn't have thought about studying otherwise and, and watching that whole course is quite useful yeah that's a good point that's a very good point i think to some extent like the a lot of times a a, a class will have like the broad fundamental thing it's like the first module sometimes like let's give you like the high level overview and then we'll go into the pieces of it and so like I, i'm not sure if that totally fits into what you're saying there coatsy but um you know, I think that for me, that's that's what I would do. Like, if I already know the fundamentals of like how in general things work, I would just skip that one and go right into like the individual lessons. But like to me, that's another important thing is being able to, you know, skip to what I what I'm really interested in, um, in in like a, a class. I agree with that entirely, and I think that that that's really important. But I think that that I do want to be able to say I want to find out where these things fit as well, and that might be a, a broad introductory topic, which might take a little bit longer. So I'll give you a different kind of a spin on this too. And that's, I mean, part of this is because this has been my professional life over the last decade. And that's, you know, it's also understanding how that you're going to be able to sell this. Um, One of the things that I find that's real, that's always been tough is that, you know, you build a course and you've always got a certain percentage of developers that come back to you. I'm, I'm just going to focus on developers because I don't, I don't talk to IT pros. I don't talk to end users in terms of people that I teach. I, I, I still socialize with some of those people. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't try and stay away from those people. Some of my best friends are IT pros. Well, I wouldn't say that, but I mean, <laughs> some of the biggest slide decks I've downloaded are from IT pros. No, um, 
No, the what so the for me it was always you I would build the course and developers would come back or a certain percentage, usually fifty percent would say, I want the advanced stuff. And if you pack the advanced stuff in the same course or you pack it in the same modules, then people look at it and go, Oh my god, that's intimidating. I don't want to get into that or they think that they have to know everything that you that you've now presented them. But on the flip side, if you try and sell them an advanced course that's like an add-on, like a part two to it, no one buys it. No one buys it because everyone's like, well, I need the first one, and then no one can afford the second one. And so for me, the approach that I kind of take to it is, okay, you want to buy one thing or you want to get one course, but I really want to be able to look at that course and say, that's the intro stuff or that's the fundamental stuff or something like that so that, you know, Andrew, I'm just like you where – I didn't have a, a, a traditional like CIS type engineering background in college. I was more of the business major and was more self-taught. But there's a lot of things that I wish I had done that I, I want that kind of more CIS kind of background. Um, when I sit down and take a course, I know that I look at some of that stuff and say, well, that part right there, I know what that is. And so I'd like to just be able to completely cut it right out. But if I see that it's part of a bigger module, then I'm like, ah, oh, shoot, I feel I'm going to miss something if I don't watch it anyway. Right. And so that's the way that that's the approach I kind of take with it more of like, okay, you want to build web parts? Here's how to build a web part. And someone who's like, you know, we take our you know SharePoint framework we're looking at now. Hey, I want to build a web part. And you're like, I've done that. I've watched the videos. I've been to the session. I've been to Chax's session at, at the conference. I get it. But it's like, how do I do the advanced stuff? And that's where I'm going to jump straight to that module. And I know that it's the advanced stuff because it's labeled as such. And I didn't have to think about the fact that, oh, did I want to buy that or not? It's part of the class, but it's just broken up into two different pieces. So I guess on that note, tell me tell me about Voitanos and and what like what it is and what made you decide to pursue this. So I, I've been teaching in a lot of different places. I've taught you know both hands on for uh, other companies, and I started my own training company with uh, Ted Patterson in 2009 to 2013 Critical Path Training, and we taught you know classroom based experience, and then after that. I still did some classroom stuff, but I did a lot of like on demand videos for other providers like Pluralsight, and what I what I did was I during all that time you always kind of work within someone else's construct or someone else's model of how they want to do training, and I, I always felt like I had a different idea or I had a different approach to it, um, and it's something you know I kind of took stock of you know a bunch of my professional life uh, at a time last year and just said you know the thing that gives me energy that I love to do is I love to learn and I love to teach other people, and I have a knack for doing it so. What I decided to do is to stand up my own thing, and that's what Voitanos is. Um, what I'm doing with this, what, what Voitanos is going to be all about, is that it's, it's, I'm building on-demand video courses, but I'm taking a little bit of a different spin than a lot of these other places do. Um, one of the things that I'm doing that's a little bit different here from what everyone else does is that I'm building evergreen courses. And these evergreen courses that I'm doing are, you know, you build a course, you publish it, but as things change with the course, as things t- change with the technologies that we, that we work with, I want to continuously update the course. Um, a lot of existing providers that are out there, they don't let you update the course because you've got these business rules around like an enterprise has signed a contract and co- employees have watched some of the videos and the courses and they get certain credit for what they've watched. But then if, they, if something doesn't you know, come out, if, if, if uh, the course gets updated and there's new content, then now their percentage of what they've watched has gone down and it, they lose metrics in their learning management system. It's just, it's a bunch of bureaucratic stuff that, that gets away from the, the whole point of it, which is learning. And so what I'm doing, I mean, to me, it seems like, you know, we're in today's day and age where technology is 
changing at a rapid pace and new versions and new tools and new techniques and libraries, really the, the, the courses should evolve as that stuff happens. And so that's one of the big things that I'm doing that's different is that I'm, I'm go, as I build a course and as I, as I keep building it, I'm going to release it in pieces as things get, as modules are completed and uh, something changes like, you know, the, the SharePoint framework, if they add a new capability to it, or if they have a, a big change or a big fix to something that we didn't anticipate, um, you know, I go back and I change the recordings a little bit and uh, make it to where it's more current because everyone's working on the same thing and, you know, put a little thing in there that says, hey, if you, you know, if you were watching this course as of this date, things are going to change. And there's a way to visualize it and get kind of confusing and stuff, but there's, I have a, a plan of how I'm going to, how I'm going to show that. So, uh, so it's almost like, you know, we talk about the cloud being this evergreen service where, you know, we constantly can slipstream in new capabilities. It almost sounds like you're creating evergreen training. That's that's exactly right. And and I tell you, I've, I've ha- I had this idea and I shared it with a few people that this is what I wanted to do and they loved it. Um, they gave me some really positive feedback. But the thing that was really flattering to me or that was really kind of the, the slap in the face that said I might be onto something is that when I published that I was doing this, I've had a significant number of people, both people that I know and people that I've never come across, who watched the introduction video of what I explained what I was doing, and they're begging to use the, the platform that I'm putting together to use it to publish their own stuff because they, want, they feel the exact same way. Um, that's great. Um, the bad side is, is that I'm not ready for that, <laughs> so it's going to take some time. Um, but, and, and really what I want to do is I, I really want, I want to set the tone with at least one or two of my own courses to really show like, you know, this is what this is all about and not let other people publish their stuff just yet. That is going to, that maybe will set the tone before I can set it. I want them to see and say, look, this is what I'm going for. Make sure this is what you want to do. And then I'm, I'd love to, you know, ultimately have something to where other people can do the same thing of what I'm doing and give them that capability without you know, forcing this this certain model on them. And are you exclusively concentrating on video training? Or how are you going to do that? So it's primarily going to be video because that's what I find most people are looking for. But um, I have plans for things. Well, not just plans, but I'm actually I'm actively um, executing on those plans. That when you when you go into a uh, we're calling that we're used to calling them modules or chapters. I'm not calling them modules because. I mean, frankly, I'm, the first class I'm doing is on the SharePoint framework, which is all client side. That's JavaScript, and a module is a real thing. So it's kind of like I'm staying away from the staying away from the word solution. <laughs> uh, so it's I'm calling those topics or sections. Um, each one of those things has a lesson in it. That lesson is primarily they're going to be videos, but they might not be. They might be a download. They may be a little article. They may be a code sample explaining something that's going on. Um, they may be an animation. Um, that's not so much of a video. So it's it's really just kind of saying, it, well, primarily people look to video. And while I'm, when I talk about Boitanos, I'm primarily talking about video because that's, frankly, that's what people are really looking for or what they're searching for. But I'm not limited to just that. It could be, I could I could do this entire course in the way that the platform that I'm using, um, it supports everything to be 100% text-based as well. And, so that, and, and that's actually one of the very popular formats that people are using or leveraging in this platform that I'm, I'm taking, that I'm, uh, I've, I've selected. I guess particularly with people who have limited bandwidth, that makes a bunch of sense, right? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, it's you know, there, there's some things that I'm sure that some people will give me a little bit of uh, grief on the beginning. People are going to say they want to take their courses offline, they want to be able to, you know, cash it on an iPad and watch it on the plane, like Richard mentioned earlier. Hey, I get it. I, I like to do that too. And you know, I'm a plural site subscriber as an, as well as an author. 
Um, but that's not stuff that I'm going to support right off the bat. I'm going to, I'm going to focus on building the course, having it online streaming, everything's hosted. Um, and then, uh, but, but not just that, I mean, you'll be able to get like any of the code samples, any of the projects and stuff that I do. Um, all of that stuff's going to be in a, in a Git repository that subscribers of the class will have access to. So when things change, you don't have to go hunt and peck and see what changed. There'll be a real change log for the course that's showing you what those things are. And, you know, in the past, I've tried to do that. And some people say, well, people don't understand change logs. I'm like, um, I, I'm, I'm teaching developers. I feel comfortable that they know that. And if they don't, they need to get, they need to, get to that point. You know, you came from as, as a founder of Critical Path, which was very much like in the classroom. And to some extent, like there was a level of like networking occurred there where I, I remember I actually attended a, a Critical Path training. You know, I, don't, I think it was like 2009 or something, but it was it was Microsoft funded where Microsoft hired Critical Path to come in and do a training. And to some extent, like I, I met the, you know, I met Ted or I met you or I met, um, you know, Matt McDermott or whoever it was that may have been teaching that at that time. And that gave me ability to, you know, I know that they wouldn't be my phone or friend all the time, but to some extent, like I had someone that I could reach out to maybe and, and get thoughts or things like that. Like, is, are you doing anything to kind of address that, that the, the more intimate setting or intimate parts of going to a classroom training? Absolutely, yeah. Um, I, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, the I think the thing that you that you attended it was called the Ramp Program. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was that was a fun one. That we, Microsoft hired us to do that to help teach to help ramp up a, a bunch of SharePoint engineers at Microsoft uh, when we were hitting that inflection point with SharePoint. But so what I'm doing is everything is definitely going to be virtual, and one I, I'll be completely you know transparent about this. One of the reasons I'm doing this with video, one of the reasons I'm doing it online, is because it's just me. Um, I don't have a huge staff to do this. I'm building it all. I have, I, I do have a producer that helps me, you know, render out the videos and stuff, but I'm not trying to build this, you know, this in-person company that's going to do a ton of stuff, um, because it doesn't help. It doesn't allow me to scale and it makes me travel a bunch to actually execute on it. So in order to give like that personal feel, first of all, I, I believe that there's a certain amount of people who don't want that and they just want to be able to subscribe to a course get the videos, get the content and get productive at their job and move on. And they don't need to go that, 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 that next level. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I've got two different offerings here. So I'm going to have one that's going to be two different like pricings for the first course. And one of them is going to be, you're going to get say 80, 70, 80% of the content. But if you go to the advanced level, you're also going to get access to the downloads, additional video content, and I'm going to do, um, haven't figured out if it's going to be weekly or bi-weekly, but I'm going to do office hours. And so you'll be able to submit questions uh, ahead of time um, to a, like a Git repository. You'll be able to have vote those up, comment on those, and then I'll jump on and I'll do an office hour session for like say an hour or two hours. Um, let's just hypothetically pick, you know, Wednesday afternoons or something like that and record those because, you know, some people may not be able to attend it but they'll be able to still have access to all of those things. And so we'll be able to have, you know, live interactions like that. I'm going to, I have plans about having uh, a, something like a Slack team or a forum that subscribers can get access to that they can ask those questions and I can go answer them. And, you know, I, I, I'm sensitive to the point where I, we, I know people are going to go use things like Stack Overflow to go find answers and you got a better chance of getting your answer, uh, your question answered by going to Stack Overflow because more people are there. 
Um, but if you have a question that I can answer for you or that specifically you want my two, my two cents on it, I want to give you that capability as well. And not only in just a text format, but I'd like to be able to do it as video. And so that's where I'll do these, these office hours of like, you know, live video um, that it's available to subscribers to do those kinds of things. Nice. Very cool. Very nice. Yeah, that'll all be part of like the advanced kind of offering or the, the upper end kind of offering that allows people to do that kind of stuff to get when you, you want more than just how do I build a web part? It's how do I build a web part? How do I work in a team environment? How do I uh, in, you know, add testing and continuous integration and deployment to my web part to automatically, you know, when I push it to GitHub, how do I make it get updated in SharePoint and in, in the CDNs and all that stuff? I want, I want to, we'll have, I'm going to have two different offerings for that and uh, should have a lot more to show and share with that in the next, in the coming weeks. You've got me sold already. I love it. It's awesome. I'm, I want to sign up <laughs> myself because I think this is a this 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 idea of of being able to to go in and 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 choose my training uh, and have the, the 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 content that I need when I need it where I need it. But also this this idea of a of a of a of a loop back to you to to give you feedback or get feedback myself about how it's going. That's awesome. Um, and and um, you know there uh, I'd love to see how this is going to work. Yeah. Well, me too. <laughs> um, so to answer your question, I get there's the our my website is voitanos.io. Um, I can tell you if anybody your the listeners for for your show, um, if you go to vtns.io uh, slash o three sixty five dev podcast, um, if you go to the the, the site via that link um, and sign up for my mailing list. Uh, I can make sure I get that all of your listeners will get a, access to 20% off or 25% off. I can't figure out, I can't remember which one I, I, I picked there, but <laughs> when I actually put the course out for sale, I'll make sure that I reach out to your listeners specifically that signed up uh, through that link uh, and um, get access to it. But I guess where I am right now, it's the, the course is still under development. I'll be completely frank. I thought I was going to have more done by now, um, but I frankly ran into a bit of a, um, bit of a problem some of the some of the video content that i'm doing is is video of me teaching and uh as rich can attest from his fun over christmas it's really hard to talk and teach when you're sick and then right after that happened i got some weird thing happened to my eye where it looked like someone shot me in the eye and uh it looked really bad on on camera and so i decided to like you know what let's just keep writing content and we'll record later so i'm a few weeks behind um, after like some just some medical delays, like you could call it. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'll have the course as it's as it's released. I think I've got planned about 30 or 32 modules uh, for the course or topics, and uh, the first three will be given away for free for anybody. You just no. sign up. It's a zero dollar price point, and and the reason for that is, I mean, frankly, there's a lot of training offerings out there, and I've got to prove to people that this is why you should buy it from me. So right. I'm going to give you an intro to the course module. I'm going to give you a, here's what the SharePoint framework is all about. And then I'm going to give you a, and this is this one might be the big one that a lot of people are looking for. Um, it may not even buy the course, but I think it's value enough and I'll give it away for free. And that's how do I get my developer environment set up the right way? Yeah, uh, this, this one, I've just, just jumped on the side here and this one looks fascinating to me, grasping the non-Microsoft development tool chain. That's, uh, yeah, that's... That that's actually changed since I published that. The site's going to get updated in the next in the next few weeks. But what I decided to do is instead of doing two different courses, one on the tool chain and one on, on the SharePoint framework, uh, my audience is the SharePoint developer, and so I'm, I'm essentially merging both of those things okay. into, into one class. Cool. 
So, the, you know, it's interesting, back to the idea of, of an uh, evergreen training is, you know, to me, it's pretty ambitious that you're picking this as a first go, given the SharePoint framework is still, it's not in GA yet, it's something that is still in a preview so, like, we've seen out of the PNP team, there's been, they've certainly de- delivered some, I think, high-level training in that. But to me, this is really interesting in that it's going to be one of the only um, deep training offerings uh, out there around the SharePoint framework. So, I think I think that's, uh, you know, not only ambitious, but I think it's a, a an awesome opportunity for our listeners we have so many SharePoint developer listeners that um, they should definitely, you know, at least check out what what he's offering um, for free. And then if it if it you know jives with you, I think I'll, I'll list that link again. It's it was Victor Tango Nancy Sam io so vtns.io slash o three sixty five dev podcast. Um, we'll have that in the show notes as well. But um, you know, you're you're probably something that's so bleeding edge it's sometimes hard to find training for it and so uh, you know you'll get those updates by joining his mailing list on when um, this will be available and I, I know the community is hungry for it so um, I hopefully you'll have no problem in in getting lots of lots of interest yeah it's I, I've I appreciate that and it's gotten I've, I've gotten a lot of I've been very impressed with the interest that people have had there is a lot of hunger for it um, I know that Microsoft is, is working on their own training for it, and I know that there's um, some other people that are working on classes for it. So there's there's going to be no shortage of options for people. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm going to give away my you know a, thir- a, a 10% of my class. I'm going to give it away for free, and e- and the intro clip for every single one of my modules will also be available for free, so that you can see what you're getting. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's it's a it's a brand new topic. Uh, it's one that, you know, it is a bit risky or a bit ambitious of me to say that I'm going to do this new style of training for a brand new framework. But, you know, we've got hundreds of thousands of SharePoint developers that are out there. Almost probably well, all of them are server-side developers, and a vast majority of those have not touched client-side development. And, I mean, you guys have looked at it. The SharePoint framework is nothing like what, what most traditional SharePoint developers have done in the past. So it's going to be. I think that there's there's a there's a big opportunity there, and it's this is the audience that I'm used to talking to. So I, I've been living in this web dev world where I use the tool chain that they that they're telling us to use. I've been using it for a few years, but I've also been using the server side traditional Visual Studio environment as well. So I feel like I can bridge help people bridge that gap and bring them along and see what this new thing how to how to best take advantage of this new thing and. Um, it's nice when you can build the course as an independent person and not as a Microsoft person because, you know, there's it's there's nothing against the, the training that Microsoft puts out, but it's also that that's the training that Microsoft has the company line and they want you to do things in a certain way. But there may be other generally accepted practices that may not mesh with the direction that they want you to go. But it's stuff that hey, you should go take a look at this because things are better. Like there's an alternative to the NPM packager that will speed up your, your uh, project creation um, from like, you know, I think like 60 or 70 seconds down to like 10 seconds. So it's stuff like that, that I want to be able to show people. That's awesome. And I think the other thing is that perhaps the only way you can release a course that is targeting a a moving target, like the SharePoint framework is to have an evergreen course. You know, that's, that's the way I see it as well. 
Well, awesome. Well, I really appreciate you, especially like, so I know this is a crazy time because everyone's like just now getting back into work mode after the holiday. Um, and I, I sprung this on you uh, with not a whole lot of, of uh, notice, but uh, I'm, I'm excited that you were able to join us and um, excited to see the, the courses launch. I know that, you know, I've been toying around with the SharePoint framework a lot, but I'm even hungry to see, you know, some of the cool advanced topics that you're coming up with. So uh, I'll be I'll be watching as well. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm, I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping to get, I'll share, I hope I have a lot more to share with people over the next few weeks. So it's, uh, I know that, you know, a lot of people are coming back from Christmas vacation as someone who's working on a startup. I think I had about three of those Christmas vacation days, including Christmas. So uh, <laughs> it was, uh, I've been going, going full blast was writing, writing one of the scripts this morning. So I'll be going right at it when we hang up. <laughs> Cool. Well, again, we'll have the we'll have the link to um, sign up for his uh, the the mailing list on the show notes vtns.io slash o three sixty five dev podcast. Uh, Andrew, Andrew, and Andrew, thanks for your times today. Um, we'll never have another Andrew guest again. It's too confusing, but uh, <laughs> I think we made it work. Bandwidth issues aside, so uh, thanks, guys, and have a great day. Thanks, Rich. Thanks again, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, Richard. Well, that's all for this week. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all our podcasts, the developer program, and other amazing content. Also, make sure you follow us at Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. Until next week, get your code on.